This is episode 12 of Ruminate, a podcast about what's on our mind. I'm Rob Lewis, and with me as always is John Voorhees. Hi, John. Good morning, Rob. How are you? I'm very well, John. How are you? Oh, doing all right. Doing all right. Surviving the snow in the in the U.S. Because it's not snowing here, which is r- remarkable given how much snow has fallen on the East Coast. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've always been under the impression that you get a, you get a lot of snow normally. Um, have you just managed to avoid it this time, or...? Yeah, we have. I mean, this actually has been a really light year for us. I mean, we have had a hand, well, I don't know, we've had a handful of times when it snowed, but only a few inches here and there, not like it's been doing out east. And, you know, it's a slow, slow news day, so everybody likes to watch the storm and see all the people raiding the, the grocery stores and emptying the shelves and, and stocking up and hoping that they'll they'll survive the storm. Absolutely. I mean, you've got to get your bread in, because um, that seems to be what people buy when they're, when they're panicking. Um, <laughs> right, I right. mean, I don't know about you, but I could probably, I don't think, if if I was stuck in my house, I'd probably have enough food for quite a while, um, even without going out and buying anything else. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And actually, uh, it's a little surprising that this seems to have caught some people off guard, because it was predicted for at least three or four days. It was not, this was not a surprise. But, you know, some people decided they want to go out in it, which is probably not a good idea, especially uh, in, you know, like places like Virginia, where they don't know how to drive in the snow. Absolutely. I don't really know what to say to that, John, because... Uh... I think we're, let's. I know because you don't do you. You would probably do very poorly yourself. Uh, yeah. Uh, to be fair, if it snows here, we just shut the country down and we're done with it. Um, <laughs> we just wait until it's gone. <laughs> That's a good idea. It's a good idea. Well, it's probably not around for very long anyway, right? Oh no, we don't. We don't get enough snow for it to even be worth worrying about. If I showed you the kind of snow we get, you'd just laugh. Um, yeah. <laughs> we really don't get a lot. All right. Um, so, how's your um, how's your iPad Pro been going? Oh, good, good, good. I'm starting, you know, I'm really just slowly but surely taking advantage of all the things it has to offer. The other night I was watching um, something on Amazon Prime and was like, thought to myself, huh, I can put this in picture in picture mode and uh, look around on Slack and Twitter while I'm doing that. And that was kind of neat. I mean, I just hadn't really thought to do it. And I historically haven't really watched a lot of video on my iPads, but it's really nice on the big screen, obviously. And um, one thing I noticed about Amazon Prime, which I hadn't really, I'd only watched Amazon Prime through my Roku before. Um, so I uh, hadn't seen this feature, but if you play it on iOS, um, they have that x-ray fi- feature that they have for the books on Kindle built into the video player. So you can, you know, you're watching along and you're in a scene, you just tap the screen and it shows you down the left-hand side all the actors who are in that scene. It's particular to that scene, which is kind of neat. Yeah, x-ray is really nice. I, um, I had that uh, when I was using the uh, the Fire TV stick um, and all, okay. I was watching a few things on Prime. And as you say, being able to just pause it, um, you know, on maybe some kind of obscure scene where you like recognize, I don't know, somebody working behind a shop counter or something, um, you know, and it will tell you who is in that scene. Um, so you don't have to kind of go trawling through IMDb to uh, to find out who the actor was. Yeah, it's a it's a really nice feature, and I, <clears throat> it seems like the kind of thing maybe Apple should be doing. Um, you know, they they've clearly got the data. Um, it's, it's just kind of a shame that that kind of thing isn't isn't on the Apple TV. Yep, yep, I agree. Um, yeah, so you know, that's about all I wanted to say about the uh, iPad Pro, I guess, for now. I mean, I've enjoyed... I've Also, the other thing I guess I set up yesterday was um, the Screens app, Screens 3. Set it up with an old uh, Mac Mini that I have sitting in the basement attached to an old LCD TV. And I don't, it doesn't get used for much, but it's nice to have because you can keep it running, run some scripts on it and things like that. Um, 
but it's really nice being able to control it from the iPad Pro, so I don't have to be down in the basement fiddling with it and turn it on a screen. I just you know do it through through the iPad interface. So, um, have you been using it for like any uh, any context? So if you're you're, uh, you're writing uh, story, you know, articles for uh, Mac stories now. Have you been using it for writing and that kind of thing, or are you still kind of um, you know just using it for kind of as you say Slack and, and browsing the internet and things like that? Uh, definitely using it for some writing. Um, it depends what I'm writing about. I mean, I've done a couple of reviews of Mac apps, and it's hard to write on the iPad Pro but be reviewing a Mac app that you might want to be going back and referring to. So, on those pieces i've generally written it on my laptop but no i've been using it definitely for writing um it's nice a couple of different things one research and taking notes and the other is just the writing itself it's uh, works really well i've got an old older um previous gen apple bluetooth keyboard that i hook up to it um sometimes and put it in you know it's got one of those i've got one of those origami cases for the keyboard which i don't think are sold anymore um, but you prop it up in there and type. Um, and I did order an Apple keyboard, uh, the smart case the other day. <clears throat> so I assume from the way you say that you haven't quite got it yet, but I assume that's, that's on its way. No. Yeah, no, it's, it's amazing though. You know, both the pencil and the smart keyboard case are, are still have, um, one to three week delivery times. Um, when I, I went to get the case and I looked and there's not a single one in any Apple store anywhere in the Chicago area, and they were quoting two to three week delivery times, and mine's supposed to come beginning of February sometime. And I, then I checked out the pencil, and it was still one to two week wait. Wow! It's, it sounds to me like um, that Apple just kind of weren't expecting the uh, the demand that they've had for this. Yeah, I was a little surprised too because I kind of figured that they would catch up fairly quickly after the holidays. That the holidays, you know, there'd be a lot of people buying them from Christmas and so forth but here we are you know we're nearly to the end of january and there's still there's um still a lot of pent-up demand it looks like yeah absolutely um so talking of uh kind of uh demand and things like that the we mentioned a while ago there was a a kickstarter called uh zano uh which uh raised millions of dollars uh i'm just trying to find the total um yeah that was a drone right uh yeah this was a kind of almost like an automated drone they were kind of selling it that it would be able to kind of control itself and avoid obstacles that kind of thing um and they raised uh three and a half million dollars uh more or less um and we mentioned that uh kickstarter had employed a journalist to investigate what had actually happened and you know the problems they had and things like that and the article is now up uh on on medium um and was there anything uh, anything surprising about uh, the situation that they that the writer discovered? Not really. Um, not anything that I think. If you know, if you kind of thought about it for a few minutes, or you know, kind of investigated it a little bit, it kind of makes sense. Um, seems to be a couple of things. One, they may have uh, maybe lied a little bit in their in their original Kickstarter video that they hadn't quite got all of this stuff worked out. Um, and I think just uh, just raising as much money as they did actually um, seemed to cause them a lot more problems because um, they were having problems with manufacturing and trying to get the, the you know the amount that they needed and things like that. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean it's, it's it's it you know as I say I think we said last time it's interesting that uh, that Kickstarter have done this and, and employed somebody but yeah there's is not a lot of um, not a lot of surprises there really. Yeah, well, that I think this one was particularly notable because it was the largest Kickstarter, at least at that time, in was it either the UK or was it all of Europe? 
Uh, I think it was the biggest in Europe. Um, I believe it's it still is. Um, but because uh, uh, Europe, we still don't get a lot of Kickstarters. But yeah, you know, three and a half million dollars is uh, is a lot of money to raise. So um, so yeah, we'll we'll put that in the show notes if if anyone wants to uh, have a yeah. Read it's kind of it. interesting, right? It's kind of interesting, worth checking out. Um, you know, uh, Rob, another thing I thought maybe we should check in on today is the Apple TV. Now that we've both been using it for about three months or so um what are you uh what are you doing with yours these days yeah so kind of kind of what i'd almost wished for and I, you know we spoke about this before the the tv actually got released um for me the, the the two main apps that i use are netflix and plex um those are you know those are in my top row that's pretty much all i use um you know on an on a average day that's pretty much all i use in in terms of apps um I, I haven't really found anything in the last probably the last month or so um you know anything really interesting uh vlc came out um which is kind of kind of an alternative to plex of sorts you know to you play to kind of different right. files essentially the equivalent of you know what you get on the mac um basically you throw any file at it and it will it will deal with it and play with it and, you um, just pointed at a fold, pointed at a folder on your network. Is that how it works? Uh, yeah, it can do a few different things, but the, yeah, the main one is to point it at a folder on the network, and it will, you know, grab those files out and play them. Um, mm-hmm. But other than VLC, um, there really hasn't been anything that that interesting. I mean, Amazon still haven't come out with their app because um, there was some rumors and some kind of unsubstantiated claims that Apple, that uh, Amazon had said they were working on it, uh, but we, we, you know, we still don't have that. Um, yeah, so there, there really hasn't been a lot lot interesting uh, come out for the TV. I don't, I don't know about you. Maybe maybe it's a little bit different in the US. Of, of more uh, more of the US uh, channels and networks jumped in, or no? I think in terms of like video content, it hasn't. I haven't noticed a lot changing. Although I, I got to say, I haven't really looked at the store in a while, which I think is a problem um, in terms of you know trying to uh, actually sell apps on the store. I think I have seen a few that are uh, apps that are on both platforms, both you know iOS devices as well as Apple TV. And it, I think my, my sense is if you want to if you want to sell something on the Apple TV, you really you really have to have an iOS component now because there's no good way to otherwise to sell it, right? No, I mean we're still you know as you say we're three months in and. You as a developer, you know, you, you've got uh, King Me is out, I assume that's still in the store, and you've still got no way to share a link for that. You've still got to go, oh, just search the store for King Me, and, and you know, it's, it's really not, not a good flow for getting somebody to buy something from you. Right. I mean, the only, uh, so in terms of my personal use, I'm just kind of using my Apple TV the way I've always used it, which is to watch TV. Um, I haven't used a lot of apps. We do have some games, mostly games that we already own that um, put out an Apple TV component. Um, and we'll, you know, I'll fire that up once in a while, but I got to say, I haven't, I don't think I've done it since before the holidays. Um, more than anything, we use it for Netflix like you do. And also I use mine for music a fair amount. Um, because I've just got you know my library hooked up to that and Apple Music and everything, so it's and it's in a nice central you know part of the first floor of our house, so it's a good way. It's hooked up to my stereo, so it's a good way to um, to play music in the background. Um, and then just iTunes content, whether it's renting a movie on a Friday night or um, watching some television shows, those are kind of my main use cases. Yeah, you know, as you say, there's um, 
for me, it's really the same. Um, you know, the the bonus being that that Plex is there, and you know, there's a few other apps as well. Um, there was one that I uh, I sideloaded for uh, uh, comedians in cars getting coffee. Uh, somebody had worked out a way to, or, or maybe they've got an API. I'm not too sure, but somebody's kind of built an app for that. Um, which is nice because otherwise I'd, <clears throat> previously I'd have to watch it on my laptop and things like that. But um, but yeah, as you say, I mean, it, this might be the you know the future of TV. But you know, maybe TV is just not that exciting. <laughs> you know, maybe well, people yeah, really don't is, need that much stuff. Right, and and you know, it's one of those things. It, maybe it's not for you or me, but it might be for other people who watch more TV or or really do want to play games on there. Uh, you know, casual games on their TV. I I don't play a ton of games and I don't watch a ton of TV, so I'm probably not the best person um, to evaluate it. But I do kind of feel it, it. You know, the buzz has worn off of it very quickly, um, at least in the press. Um, but speaking of new apps, I did see one that I haven't I have been meaning to check out, but have not yet done so, which is Remote Buddy Display. Have you? Did you see Graham Spencer wrote something about this on Mac Stories about a week ago? Um, it lets you mirror your um, your Mac desktop to your television. Yeah, I did see this. The uh, the developer of this app did uh, send me a license for it, uh, probably when it first came out. So it's just after the Apple TV launch. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, this is a really interesting. Um, it's a really interesting app. I'm not sure if it's for me, but I can certainly see you know in. Um, in, in certain environments like this, this would be really, really useful, um, you know, in education environments, in schools and, right. and universities, things like that. Um, I can definitely see how um, this would be really useful. Yeah, it looks like it's 25 euros. Um, and I haven't checked it out, but it does look, um, it, it looks very well done. I mean, it looks like it's been a lot of thought went into putting this together. Um, and you're right, in education or, you know, I could see this in like a conference room um, for if you need something more than just, um, keynote to make a presentation you need to demonstrate some sort of software or something could be really good for that sort of thing yeah definitely um yeah as we say i mean you know we're, we're kind of trying to think how it's changed in three months but to be honest like you know once once plex came out and i'm starting to think maybe amazon are never going to release their app um yeah, I'm still I'm still holding out hope for that because I have started watching some Amazon content and it's uh, you know it's not a big deal. I just switch over to the Roku that I have, but I'd, it'd be nice if I could just do it all in one place. Yeah, I mean it's definitely been easier for me now with the because uh, I I do uh, I watch Amazon Prime through the Xbox One um, because that's uh, instant on. It's fairly quick to kind of just get into it. Oh, okay, um, but yeah, yeah, as you say, and I think we said this before, it'd just be nice to have that all on one device and not have to switch um and you know it's actually in some ways kind of stops me from seeing what's on amazon uh you know on amazon video because i won't i won't necessarily look there for something to watch because i've already checked you know netflix and maybe you know plex if i've got some of the stuff that that i've got on there so um so yeah i mean hope as you say i'm, I'm holding out hope um same as you that they will actually release an app soon yeah, I am too. And uh, you know, the the for me the the iPad Pro has been has helped with that too because I have um watched some on there instead of watching on TV. Um you know, cuz it's big enough to really enjoy a show on. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing that bugged me, um I think we mentioned this, but I emailed Amazon, you know, when the TV first came out, pretended like I didn't know why the app was there. And uh and their solution was, "Oh, well there's no app, but you can airplay it." And I think that's yeah. not I don't think it's fair to assume that somebody has an iPhone 
or an iPad to be able right. to watch it on this new TV device. Because, you know, a lot of people presumably do buy these these TV boxes, um, you know, with, without, you know, maybe they've got an Android phone or, or Windows phone or whatever, you know, they... I don't think AirPlay is a good enough solution to um, to watching it on the TV. Yeah, they're leaving they're, they're leaving a lot of people behind by doing that. I think, but you know, hope, hopefully they'll do do something soon. My guess is they're just I don't I don't know they're just waiting or they're it's not a priority. Yeah, and it could be that um, Amazon Prime's a little bit complicated as well because there's Prime Video and then there's the the Prime Video, but it's the rental and the buying. Um, so maybe they've they've got some complications there with making sure that only the right content shows up and explaining that well in the UI and things like that. Right, right. Um, so, Rob, switching topics for a second. What about... I, I noticed that on iOS there was a new game that came out this week um, called Exploding Kittens, and obviously that's not a new thing, but it's new to iOS. And I know that this was a Kickstarter back in the day. They got a lot of attention, uh, but it didn't get much attention from me. So um, can you kind of... Fill me in on what's going on and why this is a big deal. Yeah, so Exploding Kittens was a, a Kickstarter um, quite a few months ago now. Actually, quite a long time ago now. Um, and it was made by uh, Matthew Inman, who is uh, who runs the Oatmeal. Um, so he's a, he's a comic kind of artist and you know does web comics and things like that. Um, and they they did you know they invented this card game and he'd done the illustrations and he had a couple of other people with him doing. You know various different parts of the the project, and uh, and the Kickstarter was like I think it was the most backed Kickstarter ever. Um, so it wasn't the most amount of money, but the amount of people that backed it uh, was the largest amount. And they made, well, they they they, they got from Kickstarter eight point seven million dollars. Um, wow! That I, th- I think I can't remember exactly how much they wanted, but it, it was no, it was nowhere near that much. It I think it was only maybe fifty thousand dollars or something like that. Uh-huh. Um, so they got a huge amount, you know, presumably through the popularity, you know, of Oatmeal because you know he he's really popular and you know people enjoy his comics and his, his illustrations and things like that. Right. Um, so the combination of all that, they they made this huge amount and they've got this, you know, it's, it's a fun card game. I I backed it and and I played it over Christmas with my parents and uh, you know I've played it a few times since then. So they've now taken the card game itself. <clears throat> Um, and and ported it to iOS, um, which is I actually you probably saw my tweet that I was quite excited about it, and then once I downloaded it, it kind of occurred to me that it's a little bit redundant. Um, How so? So essentially, it, say me and you, you know, we're, we're we're somewhere and we want to play Exploding Kittens. The app is, is only good for local uh, play, and we've both got to have uh. the app, which. I, I guess it's fine, like, if you don't want to buy a card game, but for anyone who's kind of got the card game, like, it, it, you know, if, if we wanted to play, we would presumably just play with the card game rather than using our iPhones. Right. Yeah, no, it seems to me that's a missed opportunity. I mean, to really expand who's playing the game, it'd be nice if, like, you know, you and I could play across uh, the Atlantic. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I could... I can certainly see that it is good to get it in the hour, you know, in the app store because you know not everyone can afford to spend, you know, t- I guess it's probably about twenty dollars, maybe uh, twenty or thirty dollars for the, the the you know the physical game. Uh huh. Um, whereas the iOS app is, I think, two two ninety nine something like that. So you know, there's there's a cost aspect to it as well um, that is you know might be a little bit cheaper or 
perhaps you know the, it maybe it's not distributed in a certain country but they can do that through the app store um oh, okay I, I, yeah. that would be my first thought that you know maybe it just gives them access to more customers because not everybody's gonna gonna want to spend and, and buy a physical game no that's true and i'm sure distribution of an actual physical card game is a pain especially when you're talking about you know shipping it to different continents so i can see that for sure um well, how does the game work yeah so the essentially the game works if you um you, you pull it if you pull up a exploding kitten card from the deck um you die that's you're out of the game um okay but you also have cards uh, you have a diffuse card so if you've still got a diffuse card in your hand you play that and uh you don't die so you can stay in the game um so it's a relatively short game like it, even playing with kind of three or four people um it will only last maybe 10 or 15 minutes uh-huh um but you have various different cards like um you know you can attack somebody else and tell them to draw more cards from the deck um, in the hopes that they will get an exploding kitten. Um, All right. And you can kind of, you know, you can say, no, I don't want you to do that. There's different cards, so you can kind of defend against that. Um, you know, and the illustrations are really nice, and they're kind of, you know, jokey and funny. Um, and there's also what they describe as the not-safe-for-work deck, which is, it's not really not-safe-for-work, but it's just a little, it's it's not family-friendly, per se. Um <clears throat> so yeah they've got the two decks um you can kind of play with either deck and the game plays the same um but yeah it's it's a really fun game like as i say i played it over christmas with my parents and um you know we played maybe four or five games over over an hour or so um so they really uh -huh. don't last too long but it's just a once you've played through once it's it's kind of really easy to pick up oh, okay well I, I like that kind of game um I was just looking at it on iTunes right now, and right now they're they're doing a launch special. So the the app itself is two dollars, um, and it's got three different card packs as in-app purchases. And right now they're all free. It doesn't really say what they're going to be eventually, but you know if you're interested in this at all, it might be a good idea to pick it up now when you can get the um, the in-app purchases for free. Yeah, and then that, that's what exactly what I did. I haven't actually used the app because um, you know I haven't actually got anyone to test it out with because um, as you say it's. I can't kind of do it, you know, uh, over a distance. It has to be kind of local multiplayer. Um, right. You know, but it's it, it looks like from what I have seen of it, and I kind of looked up some videos of it and stuff, it does look like a really, really well done app. Does it look like the thing to you that they could implement some sort of networked, um, or, you know, over the internet version of this? Um, I think you probably could. Um, the, the, the biggest issue kind of... Because of the way the game works, you kind of you want to be able to. Uh, there's one particular card, the the Nope card. You can play that even when it's not your turn. Um, uh -huh. So I can say you're two or three people round from me, and you play a card. I can put the Nope card down and stop you from doing that. Um, and I wonder. Oh, okay. I'm not. I can't quite see how that would work if it was. Yeah, um, you'd have to have some kind of timer built in or something like that in order to do it that way don't you think? uh yeah definitely um you know so you know i might complain about it not having kind of that kind of functionality but i, I, I off the top of my head i can't see a good solution to um to how that would work anyway yeah unless you had everybody playing and focused on the game at a particular time you know you couldn't play it asynchronous asynchronously as they say uh, yeah d d definitely not um so, but yeah, you know, it's it's a nice alternative if if you you know maybe you just don't want to buy the card game, but you you're interested uh -huh. in playing it, then yeah, then the app is is probably a good alternative to that. All right, well maybe I'll check it out. 
so um let's let's do this topic john because i've i've kind of wanted to do it for a while uh yeah we've talked about it for a while and but what are we talking about we are talking about email yeah i would you you floored me the other day because you told me you have like you get like five emails a day and i I can't imagine that email is a problem for you if that's the case. <laughs> no, but there, let me start before we carry. I hate email. I think it, it's a for the for most things it's used for. It is a terrible solution for for what it's used for. And I'm talking about things like notifications and newsletters and and things like that. They they're not. It 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 doesn't feel like they kind of fit what email is for. Um, yeah, well, that's something we can all agree on. Is that email is awful. <laughs> yeah, I think we can all agree it's terrible. Um, but you, you mentioned, as I've said to you, I, I maybe get four or five emails a day, which is not many. But that's by design. You know, I, I've, right. I've put a lot of effort into making sure that I don't sign up to people. You know, to mailing lists for marketing people and you know uh newsletters and things like that there's a couple of exceptions which we'll probably get to but for the most part like i won't sign up to newsletters or notifications from twitter and facebook and all these other services like i don't want any of that in my email like it it doesn't feel for me like that's the place for it yeah i agree with you on that and i don't like it either although i have not been and i thought i was aggressive about unsubscribing to things because a lot of things just subscribe you whether you want them to or not right i mean that's part of the problem uh, whenever you buy something online, it seems like you get signed up for another email. I think that's um, uh, that's called growth hacking, John. Uh, that's the <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is, and I don't I don't like that kind of hacking. It's um, and so I I have way too many emails too, and I just opened up mail at the risk of screwing up Skype because I had a I hadn't opened mail in a few days, um, and my Gmail account is showing eight hundred and forty eight unread emails. <laughs> <laughs> right now that makes me deeply uncomfortable john <laughs> <laughs> but i have but i have ways to deal with email which we'll talk about a little bit that uh makes me completely comfortable with that and that's fine john it's your email inbox i'm not gonna say that. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, i've tried to go through it it's just too many there are too many now i don't know what to do and i'm not gonna just delete them all i don't think we'll see so um i, I mentioned there's a couple of exceptions um to to the newsletters and there's a couple that i work that i accept there's the mac stories newsletter um, which is part of uh, club mac stories and uh, and six colors as well uh, which is uh, jason snell's website I, I i will accept those coming into my email inbox for now um and i and i know that uh federico has said that he's working on some kind of web-based way for me for you know members to get the newsletter which would be a lot better for me yeah, no, I think that would be good. I, I um I like the, I have I subscribe uh, I subscribe to both of those as well. Um and I like them both, but I also I don't like that they're emails still. Yeah, and I I think the biggest problem though and and you know, I have this as well, you know, the uh, the software products that I work on, you know, in my day job. We need to send people, we need to notify people of a change. You know, so something in the system has happened with their account. And I'm not talking about billing things. I'm talking about them actually using the system. Uh-huh. Um, you know, maybe somebody's assigned them a to-do, that that kind of thing. Right. And so we need to notify them somehow. And what is the, the the one universal thing that we've all got in common is email. It's the yeah, only... It's off the top, I, I can't think of another um, kind of uh, protocol or app or anything like that that 
everyone yeah, everyone who's got a smartphone or internet access you know or a laptop or whatever it is everyone has access to email and that is why it has become this huge problem because there is no other there's no better way to that there's no better way to make sure that you can connect with all of the people that you you need to if it's like a notification or a newsletter or something like that it's the only one where everyone can receive it in the same format right Right. Yeah. So, so my my uh, inbox is probably a combination of what a lot of a lot of people have, which is it's it's notifications like that. I mean, you and I use Dropbox paper. And so I get a notification every now and then that you've changed, you know, the show note document, which is I wish there was a better way because I really don't like that that much. Um, I have the same thing with Box, uh, which I use with the Mac Stories team. That sends me an email every time something changes. You know, GitHub. You can, you know, you can at least control the GitHub emails. Um, but then there's all sorts of things like delivery notices for things I ordered, or um, things from stores that I that I I'm interested in seeing what they have to say from time to time. So I don't really want to unsubscribe, but I don't really want to get the email every single week. Um, part of it, so some of it's a frequency thing, some of it's, um, just not getting around to unsubscribing, but then there, and there are newsletters, there are bills, there are, you know, legitimate actual humans that send me messages from time to time. There are really very few of those, but they, they exist. Um, so it's just a big bucket full of, big bucket full of mess, really. I mean, it's hard to, hard to, you know, parse out the good ones from the bad ones. Yeah. And you, you mentioned a good one that like GitHub, um, is one that, that would drive me mad because at work um, we use GitHub pretty much for everything. You know, all our projects are on there and things like that. Um, and, and if I had GitHub emails on, I would be getting hundreds of those a day. Um, so what I did for GitHub, there's a, there's an, a menu bar app called Gitify. Um, mm-hmm. And that basically sits in the menu bar and will pull in your GitHub notifications. So I can turn the emails off and they just sit in my menu bar. Um, mm-hmm. and, and you mentioned another one, bills and, and things like that. And what I've noticed is, like, uh, so my bank will send me an email every month to tell me my statement's ready. But God forbid they actually put that information in the email. Like, just just tell me what my balance is. If you're that bothered to to send me a notification. But it's not. This email just says, your statement's ready. Click here to view it. So I click it, and then I have to log in and go to statements. Like, just put that information in the email if if that's what you want to send me. Um, And I can't unsubscribe from them. Um, this is like well, a, a forced kind of no. You have to know when your your bill, you know, your statements ready. Right. Yeah. No. So there's a lot of problems with email. And the other thing that drives me a little nuts are people who use um, email like it's texting. So they'll, it's like back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. That drives me a little batty. Um, but enough complaining, Rob. I mean, what? How do you? How is it that you've gotten yourself down to only a, like a handful of emails a day, just aggressively unsubscribing to everything? Pretty much um, any any kind of newsletter that I get signed up to from you know whatever if I sign up for a service you're pretty much guaranteed to end up on a mailing list whether you want to or not. As soon as that email comes in, you know the first email from that that newsletter, I make sure to unsubscribe from it. Um, mm. I you know I, I don't put myself on mailing lists for you know when these people when the apps have got like holding pages and it's like oh let me know when this app is available i won't put my email in, in those um ideally for me i will find the person on twitter or the you know the app's actual twitter account um and i'd, I'd rather follow somebody there for a month or two than 
be part of their mailing list, which may or may not send me loads and loads of emails. Right. No, that's a good. That's good. I, I have a couple of tools that I use. I mean, I, I guess right now, more than anything, I'm using um, Outlook on iOS because the focus inbox that they have is really good. Um, it it see, and that's why I can live with all those emails sitting in my inbox because it'll basically pull out anything that's from a person and put it in the uh, in the focus inbox, and then it'll tell you how many you have that are in the other. And I'll glance at the others, and I can set up a rule to make sure it ends up in the focus e- email inbox. And it's easier than um, trying to manage the, the emails um, aggressively for me. I found. I mean, I was using Spark for a while, which um, you know the the downside of Spark, which is from uh, Riedel, uh, was is that it's only iPhone right now. I know that they're working on an iPad app. Um, I think that's in beta now. Uh, they do not have a Mac app yet, although I think I read somewhere that they might be working on one soon, but I haven't heard anything um, in particular about that. That's good, although I found that it was an extra tap or so or two to delete an email. And what's nice about um, Outlook is that I can set up one of the swipes to just delete the email really quickly, which I, I love. I mean, I've only been using it for a few weeks, but and a lot of those emails that I mentioned in my e- in my inbox are really old. I mean, I've been much better at managing my email in the last month or so since I've been using Outlook than I have in the past. Um, the other the other gesture that I add to um, I put in um, Outlook is to flag the email because I signed up for the um, these the email service with the To Do app on iOS, and that's been fantastic because you know really one of the problems with email is that there's so much junk in that bucket and some of them are things you have to do or some of them are, are things you need to reference later uh, but they're interspersed with all this all this spam basically um, and the to-do email integration has been a great way to pull that stuff out because what you can do is you know you pull out the entirety of the um, of the text of the email along with a link that'll link you back to the original email um, so you can you know put it in an inbox and actually and actually just deal with those few that you have to do something with um, rather than going and hunting back for it in your inbox later on. Yeah, that sounds really good, actually. I've heard quite a few people talking about uh, the, the email integration, and I, I think I think that tends to be one of the other problems is people, you, you know, you go to your inbox, and I can imagine, you know, with the if you get a lot of email, um, you know, you kind of you hit one email, oh, I need to do something with this, and then you're kind of like, oh, what do I need to do with it? Because... You know, as try as they might, like email is not a to-do list. No matter how how clever your app may or may not be, you know, your mail client, it, it, that's not what email is. Um, right. You know, and they kind of, you know, they hack around. And, and, you know, Mailbox is a good example of this with the snoozing and, and the various different things that would do. Like, it was great as long as you stayed within Mailbox. Um, but it gets very complicated very quickly if you need to use something else you know on another machine that doesn't have ma- mailbox and, and things like that um right and i think as you say like this the, the to-do email integration that seems like a much better solution um to just take the email and move it somewhere else um yeah, of, of I, yeah I would say the one right i mean the one downside of the to-do integration hopefully this is something that that they add later is it can't handle attachments so like when you pull the email in it's the text of the email only it's not the attachment as well which i would really like to have any attachments come along with it um i was doing for a while i I created a script that i I, you know do for my affiliate linking i get reports 
and I wrote a script that just pulls down the data at 2 a.m. every day um, and then uh, puts it, I was putting it in an email as an attachment as a CV, CSV file um, and I wanted to pull it into to-do and that wasn't working because it didn't bring the attachments along. So what I ended up doing was um, dropping it into Dropbox, routing it through IFTTT which creates a Dropbox link to the file and then putting it in to-do, which works really well because it just drops it in my inbox. I can, I can tap on it. It opens up drop, the Dropbox file, and I can add it to a spreadsheet and see you know, uh, what's been going on with the affiliate linking stuff. Yeah, and then again, you know, things like IFTTTT, um, you know, it's nice to be able to kind of link this stuff together and and get these emails. I think that's the biggest problem is is once you've got this email that it needs to be actioned, like it really just needs to be moved out of somewhere else because otherwise it's sat there, just kind of not doing anything. But it's it's also there, and like you're always kind of aware that it's in the list and and, and things like that. Right, and it gets buried very easily. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I can imagine if you get more emails than I do, this stuff gets buried pretty quickly. Well, email is one of those things that if, if I'm busy, I just ignore it. You know, personal email. Um, just stay away from it for a while. And the problem is uh, it's just a problem because it gets buried, as I said, and then you can't find it again, and then you're searching, and it's just not the way to do not the way to do email. Um, so that's... I guess that's how I kind of manage it, and it's working out pretty well so far. I would like to kind of go through and blow out the rest of those emails in the inbox, but it's not really a high priority since I seem to be getting all the ones I need. Um, there's the whole other side, which is sending, which is not as big a deal for me because I, I don't send a lot of email anymore. Um, I you know Most of the communications I have go through Slack or iMessage or something like that. I mean, you and I don't email, right? Uh, you know, And I don't email. No, definitely you know, not. I can't. Honestly, I can't remember the last time I sent an email. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're we're in Slack 90% of the time, or maybe I'll send you an iMessage once in a while, but that's about it. And that's really the same thing with, you know, the Mac Stories team when I'm working with them, is it's that's all in Slack at this point. Yeah, I think, and, and Slack is an interesting one, and I, I do, I, <clears throat> I've considered actually setting up a private channel, uh, you know, maybe in our podcast group or whatever, Um to, you know, just to maybe send notifications there rather than through email, um, because I feel like kind of Slack is actually this. Slack's an interesting platform because it's supposed to just kind of be for chat and and you know these group chats and things. But with all the integrations, like it feels like it's actually a really good place for notifications. Um, you know, m- maybe not GitHub um, because I kind of need to action those straight away and look at them. But you know, I can certainly see a scenario where you know me sending. I don't know if I could filter out, say, my Amazon order emails and just kind of say, this is your confirmation email, just so I know it's happened. Yeah. The downside is you need a paid account to do the email stuff. Pretty sure. Yeah. So that's... Uh... <laughs> and, it, and it gets expensive fast. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, it's, um, it's not necessarily ideal. But... Yeah, but you, there are good, you're right. There are good integrations you can do, even if it's not the email stuff. I mean, I, I get um, sales reports, for instance, from app figures that are one of the one of the services that connects with your um, iTunes Connect account. Um, I get sales figures dropped into um, a Slack I have for the apps that I do. So yeah, and I mean, and you set up one uh, for us to uh, keep an eye on uh, reviews for the podcast. Um, you know, and rather than us both getting an email when there's a new review, it just goes into the Slack channel and we can see it. Um, and that also brings us nicely just to mention if you'd like to leave us a review, we'd we'd really like that in iTunes. That'd be great. 
Yeah, you'll we'll get it right away because you'll ping us in the Slack because it'll show right up in a nice little format formatted thing where we can see the um, see the whole review. I, it would, and the other thing that's nice about that too is that it, it you know it's basically I, I assume that it's it's checking out all the RSS feeds for each of the stores around the world, so we don't have to go logging into various stores wherever the the review is left. Uh, it gets sent to us. Yeah, definitely. As I say, I think that is a perfect example of something that. Um, you know, it's just a notification. It's just a you know a few lines of text that we need to see, but it doesn't need to be an email. Um, but of course, then are we getting into this dangerous territory where Slack just becomes email at that point? Like <laughs> if you start sending everything there, um, you know, maybe you're just doing everything in Slack rather than in your email client. No, that's true. Although at least with channels, you can set up different channels for different things and kind of on a per channel basis, set up notifications. So, you know, if we got, if, if we were being inundated with um, hundreds of reviews, which we are not at this point, <laughs> we could, we, we could shuffle that off to a separate channel. And that way, you know, you can maybe look at it you know, once a week or whenever you felt like it, as opposed to getting pinged every time someone dropped in a, a new review. Yeah, definitely. Um, so anything else on email, John? Cause I think uh, certainly for my use case, I've, I've kind of covered everything. Yeah, no, not really. Other than I did just do a review on Mac Stories of an app called Mail Butler, which is a, a series of plugins for um, Apple's Mail app, which if you are a heavy user of email, especially sending, um, you might find this interesting. It allows you to do things like uh, send delayed emails, uh, to get notifications when you've forgotten to include an attachment. It actually has a undo send feature, which is really just all it's doing is, um, sending the email, you know, a minute or two later instead of right away. Um, but it gives you the opportunity then to recall the email before it actually goes out of your drafts inbox. So if you do send a lot of email, um, mail Butler is, is worth, taking a look at it's a little pricey um it's it's a subscription model it's i think six if, if you do it on an annual basis it's about six euros a month um if you do it on a monthly basis it's uh i think eight eight euros a month so okay brilliant well um i'll uh, we'll, we'll put a link in the show notes to that um and as you say i think it's definitely built for a, a certain type of person who maybe sends a lot of email and that kind of thing but yeah um it looks pretty interesting, so I'll, uh, we'll put a link for that. So the um, the last topic we've got was just kind of um, kind of things that we've been watching and and things like that. Um, so John, do you, do you want to start? Because uh, this was this is an Amazon Prime show, uh, which is kind of kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Yeah, I've actually got two shows I decided, although one of them I haven't I haven't watched yet. So um, you know, buyer beware. But the first one is the Man in the High Castle, which is. Um, an Amazon Prime original series, I guess, just like Netflix is doing its own television series now. It's uh, ten episodes, and I'm six or seven into it so far. Um, it's one. It's an alternate history, um, alternative history theme where it's set in 1962 after the Germans and the Japanese have won World War II, and the eastern two thirds of the U.S. are occupied by the Germans and the western third by the Japanese. Um, and there's uh, some intrigue and mystery surrounding the man in the high castle, which is uh, is all still very uh, confusing. And I don't want to um, you know give any spoilers, but it's a really well done series. Um, you know, set as I said in 1962, um, and uh, with you know, just a, does a great job of setting it in that in that alternative history and um, giving you a sense for what it might be like if if that had been the case. 
Yeah, I've watched this as well. I, I watched this. Uh, I believe it was over the the Christmas Christmas period, and as you say, like it, it, it's just really interesting to watch. Um, it's it's based on a novel. Um, so if you've read the novel already, presumably you know what's going to happen. But you know, it's um, and one of the parts I found actually from not just an Amazon original but Netflix as well. It's really nice to have um, shorter seasons on these shows, like ten or twelve episodes. Right. I feel is actually a much nicer amount for a, for a season for the most part. Um, I mean, it's the, the, these longer seasons, like twenty or twenty four episodes, is is much more of an American thing anyway. Um, I mean, in the UK, our series right. are maybe six or seven episodes long for the most part. Um, but it, it's kind of nice to have these shorter series, you know, like Jessica Jones and Daredevil and, and Man in the High Castle, um, because it kind of you don't feel as uh, kind of exhausted by the time you get to the end of it. <laughs> Yeah, have you watched the whole thing? Uh, I have. Um, obviously, no, oh, okay. no spoilers. Um, you know, we, we won't, we won't be spoiling anything today. But yeah, I'm, um, I'm, I'm looking forward to the second series. Um, yeah, it's a, it's, it's based on a Philip K. Dick novel, and he's the, you know, the, the author who um, wrote Blade Runner. Um, and uh, yeah, it's really well done. I, I got hooked right immediately by it. I watched, I think, the first night. I watched like four episodes back to back, and then I've been watching them on my iPad since then. Yeah, seventy. And as I say, they've they've already confirmed a second series. Um, I think this has oh, actually they? been um, their most popular uh, original series so far, uh, which doesn't surprise me. Yeah, it's it's um it's definitely well done. Uh, the the other thing that I wanted to mention, which starts here uh, tonight, is the X Files. Which back in the day, I was a big X Files fan. Um, it doesn't maybe hold up super well. Uh, it's a little dated, but the old ones. But they've brought it back. Um, and it's premiering tonight on Fox, so I'm looking forward to I actually bought the series on iTunes, which I'll do once in a while. Um, usually I won't do that unless I know it's good, and I don't know yet whether the X-File is going to be any good, but uh, I figured for old time's sake, I'd pick it up and just watch it without any commercials. So, th- so this is a, a new series of the X-Files, right? Is that... It is, although it's all the original actors, and it's really just, I think it's set to pick up where the X-Files left off, but, you know, whatever, 15 years later or mm. something. Oh, okay. So it's so, not something that I've ever um, ever watched, and I'm not sure, given the, the bits I have seen, I feel like if I hadn't watched it when it first came out, I'm probably not going to get a lot out of it uh, if I start watching it now. May- well, maybe, although that one thing that they've always done, and, and I, I watched a, um, a preview of what was coming, uh, like a 20-minute preview on YouTube last weekend, and originally the series had, it did have some continuity of, you know, kind of a backstory, which I'm sure they're going to continue, um, but it also would have standalone episodes that really stand on their own, that are not, they don't have, you know, there are no references to kind of the more overarching backstory and, and conspiracy theories that, that um, kind of you know, populated that show. So it's, um, I don't know. I'm looking forward to it. We'll see. I'll report back in a couple of weeks after I've seen a few episodes. Um, so, you know, I'm not endorsing it yet, but, uh, but I'm excited about it because I always liked that show. Excellent. Um, so I, I mentioned, I guess maybe we spoke about this probably last episode, or maybe it was on our Christmas episode, um, that we, you know, we both had, we'd both been watching daredevil and, uh, and Jessica Jones, uh, and I mentioned I'd been watching uh, Agents of Shield as well. Um, so over the Christmas period, I, we we finished kind of all of the Marvel stuff, all of the you know the films and the TV shows. We'd watched it all. Um, so we decided to have a have a go and see what see what DC had to offer um, in terms of their 
their TV shows. Um, and we've been watching uh, Arrow and Flash because um, they're, they're both part of what what DC are calling the Arrowverse, um, which is this kind of shared universe between between both these shows. I've seen some of these, but not all of them. Yeah, so I got so you've got uh, the first two series of Arrow uh, just kind of run by themselves, and then Flash starts uh, the same time as series three of Arrow. Um, and there's not maybe not a lot of crossover. Um, there's mostly just kind of vague references to things that are happening in the other shows. But there are a couple of episodes where you know there, there, there's a full on you know crossover event. I guess they would call it. You know, with all the characters in both shows and things like that. Um, but yeah, this is it's it's kind of interesting um, that DC are kind of trying to, uh, e- even if it's certainly on a smaller scale, at least trying to build kind of their own uh, kind of not necessarily the cinematic universe, but just kind of this shared universe uh, between a few of their shows. Yeah, which one do you like better? I mean, I, I've seen both of them, and I think I probably like Flash better on balance. Uh, I, I think I'm a bigger fan of Arrow, but okay. right now we're we're watching. Uh, the one that's out on, on TV now, I guess, Series 4. Uh, series 4 of Arrow and Series 2 of Flash. Um, yeah, I don't think I've seen Arrow since one of those first two seasons when before Flash had started. Mm. So the, uh, right at the moment, like we kind of we watch one episode of Flash and one episode of Arrow because that's kind of how it was uh, aired on TV. Um, oh, okay. And I, I really can't pick a favorite, I don't think. I think I do enjoy Arrow more, but that might just be because I've watched more of it. Um, because it's got uh-huh. the extra series. Um, but I kind of I'll watch an episode of Arrow, and be like, oh, I really want to watch the next episode. But in, you know, I'll watch a Flash because that's kind of how they're on TV. And then I feel the same about the Flash at the end. Um, so I feel like, um, you know, they're both very, very different. Flash is much more uh, kind of happier and upbeat, I think. Whereas Arrow right. is quite Arrow is much more of a drama, where Flash is more of a kind of drama comedy type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I know what you mean. There's definitely a lighter tone to it. Yeah, and, and even kind of when the Arrow characters are on the Flash, even those characters are much happier when they're on the Flash than when they go back to their own show. <laughs> back to their dark universe. Yeah, so it's um, it's kind of interesting that, that they're doing this this shared universe, um, and they've kind of... Uh, uh, they're, they're, allegedly, there's going to be some kind of Supergirl crossover um although supergirl apparently isn't part of this arrowverse uh she will maybe or maybe not be in the show or there'll be some kind of reference to it um all right so again i I do worry a little i'm sorry i do i do worry a little bit that we're going to get all tv shows are going to be some sort of universe thing and then it's not going to be done well yeah it's, it's, it's kind of interesting because when the crossover goes well um you know, there's there's one particular section of, of Arrow and Flash where they cross over where it's just it's really enjoyable and it's it's really interesting to kind of see the two the two sets of characters interact. Um, but but as you say, for the most part, these shows aren't really crossing over that much. Like they they just happen to reference each other every now and again. Um, right. And having watched them both, like I think you could watch them without the other one. Um, but you, you uh-huh. kind of a bit like the Marvel Cinematic Universe and TV shows and things like that. You can watch right. them all individually, but I feel like you will get more out of them if you've watched watched everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I'm kind of a little bit as concerned as you are that everything will just become everything has to have more than one thing to it. 
Right. I mean, it's it's really it's it's a tie-in type thing, right? I mean, it's not unlike what you see in in other in other types of media. It's it's trying to get you to uh, it's trying to make the higher sw- switching costs. I think in a way. Yeah, definitely. I mean, DC uh, are interesting. They, they they also have Gotham, um, the the Gotham TV show, which is the right. You're kind of following uh, James Gordon, Commissioner Gordon, uh, but when he's a lot younger. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Bruce Wayne is kind of twelve or thirteen, so there's there's no Batman, there's no concept of Batman yet, um, right? But that isn't part of of these this shared universe. That is an entirely separate thing on its own, um, and 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 that that's a really good show as well. Um, but the, the biggest problem I have with with DC is they can't. The problem I have is this. So we we're going to get onto the Suicide Squad trailer in a minute. Um, yeah, and and I, I did mention this on Twitter, but. We have the Suicide Squad film coming out later this year, but there's also a representation, you know, in uh, I think it's Arrow that the Suicide Squad are referenced and things like that. But it's not the same Suicide Squad that's in the films. The, these are two completely separate, um, separate stories, um, which is kind of it's kind of a little bit weird that they're out on you know Arrow and Flash are out on TV now, and then the Suicide Squad film comes out, but it's nothing to do with. <laughs> the Suicide Squad that were in Arrow. Yeah, I mean, having watched the trailer, just the feel of the t- of the different sh- of the the um, the trailer versus the TV shows is very very different, and that's one place I think Marvel does a pretty good job is that you know obviously there's a much lower budget for television shows, and you're not going to get the special effects you see in some of the Marvel movies, but I think they do a better job of integrating television with the movies than than DC seems to be being able to do. Yeah, I think I think the the problem DC out. DC uh, have in this particular scenario is they kind of want to use all their best characters you know Harley Quinn and Deadshot and all these kind of characters that people like um, specifically the villains because DC have very very good villains Um, but they want to use them in they want to use them in Batman films they want to use them in in Gotham and the TV shows but they also want to make films about them as well so they kind of everything kind of gets quite uh, crossed over quite a lot yeah I could definitely see that I mean what did you think of the trailer if you just Put it in isolation and and don't kind of consider the uh, the the crossover stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm excited for the film. This particular trailer is one of the worst trailers I've ever seen. Um, I I really didn't enjoy it. The so they used uh, what's the song they've used? Is it Bohemian Rhapsody they've used or Don't Stop Me Now? Uh, yeah, I forget. I watched it this week, and I did the the song part of it was completely unmemorable. So maybe it didn't do the job it was supposed to do. Yeah, so it's one of the two. I can't remember off the top of my head, but um, they've kind of you know they 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 want to kind of match it up with the song, and and you know it's, it, obviously it's a very popular song, and you know, most people will recognize the song. So that your kind of your focus is on that, but they keep breaking up the song to add little clips to it. Um, and I really just I just don't think it works as a trailer. Um, well, they're also trying to be very edgy compared to their TV shows, which to strike me as a little more wholesome. Maybe not Arrow so much, but you know, the Flash is a very family-friendly kind of TV show. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, they're obviously going for something a lot darker. Um, there was a, there was a previous trailer for Suicide Squad, which I I enjoyed much more and actually kind of made me interested in the film. But th- this trailer on its own is is just not very good at all. Yeah, no, I, have, I don't think I've seen that first one. I'll have to check check that out at some point. Yeah, I'll see if I can find it, and we'll we'll put that one in the show notes as well. 
Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. I mean, this is one of those movies that I, I looked, I watched the trailer. I don't think I disliked it as much as you did, but um, I definitely was. My thought of it on it was, well, I'm going to see how this goes and how you know this is not a movie I'm going to rush out and see day one. I'll wait and see what people say about it once it's actually out in theaters because it struck me as maybe um, everything everything interesting about it might be left in the trailer. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's going to be a, a weird one, um, but as you say, I think I'll probably do the same as you. While I'm certainly not going to rush out and see it, um, but yeah, it it looks interesting. But this particular trailer just didn't do it for me. Right. All right. Well, we'll see. I guess when's it coming out? It's coming out this summer, right? Uh, yeah, I think it's in the summer. I think they want to. Uh, I think they maybe they're going up against uh, Civil War, kind of similar kind of time, uh, maybe May, May or June, something like that. Yeah, well, that's the summertime set of movies, so I'm I'm looking forward to it. I guess overall, just uh, getting back, you know, part of the problem right now is that with in, in the wake of Star Wars, there has been a real dearth of movies. There haven't there haven't been a lot of really good movies coming out in the last month or so. Yeah, definitely. But um, you know, it's a it's a good time to be alive if you enjoy superhero movies. <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> that is true. That is true. Because you pretty much can't move for for superhero movies right now. Yeah, that's true. All right. Well, I guess that's about all we have this week, unless you had anything more, Rob. Uh, no, that was pretty much it for me as well. Okay. Well, so where can people find you online, Rob? So I am at RM Lewis UK on Twitter, and my website is roblewis.me. And where can people find you, John? Uh, at John Voorhees on Twitter. Um, got some writing over on maxstories.net, and uh, my website is squibner.com, where I have my apps and stuff. And there we go. I think that's probably the end of the episode for this week. Okay, great. Thanks, Rob. Okay, see you soon, John.